start by being honest with ourselves. As a nation, for decades, we were perfectly happy to write off whole neighborhoods, whole cities, whole generations of young men and women. As long as it was an inner city problem, an urban problem, which is to say, a black people problem, a brown people problem. Send them to prison, into a system from which they'll never return. Maybe now, now that it's really come home to roost, now that it's the high school quarterback, your next door neighbor, your son, your daughter, now that grandma's as likely to be a junkie as anybody else, we'll accept that there has never been a real war on drugs. War on drugs implies an us versus them. And all over this part of America, people are learning there is no them. There is only us. And we're going to have to figure this out together. Drove bread, the white bread, inflames the white public against Negroes. The police are able to use it to paint the Negro community as a criminal element. The police are able to use the press to make the white public think that 90% or 99% of the Negroes in the Negro community are criminals. And once the white public is convinced that most of the Negro community is a criminal element, then this automatically paves the way for the police to move into the Negro community exercising Gestapo tactics, stopping any black man who is in the, on, on the sidewalk, whether he is guilty or whether he is innocent, whether he is well-dressed or whether he is poorly dressed, whether he is educated or whether he is dumb, whether he's a Christian or whether he's a Muslim, as long as he is black and a member of the Negro community, the white public thinks that the white policeman is justified in going in there and trampling on that man's civil rights and on that man's human rights. Once the police have convinced the white public that the so-called Negro community is a criminal element, they can go in and question brutalize, murder, unarmed, innocent Negroes, and the white public is gullible enough to back them up. This makes the Negro community a police state. This makes the Negro neighborhood a police state. It's the, it's the most heavily patrolled. It has more police in it than any other neighborhood, yet it has more crime in it than any other neighborhood. How can you have more cops and more crime? Why? It shows you that the cops must be in cahoots with the criminals. Hello, Baltimore. This is Tyrone Bose, owner of BPPW, and I'm here with my millennial co-host, Zachary Leacock, a social media entrepreneur who majored in radio, TV, and film at Harvard, at Howard, the Black Harvard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe, uh, maybe uh, Harvard is a Black, black, black Howard. Howard. <laughs> 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 and uh, he's a socially conscious vegan, and uh, he's a he's, uh, producer of the... Uh, uh, Channel, Channel 10 Podcast. Channel 10 Podcast, which features interviews with pioneering rap artists. Good afternoon, Baltimore. It's good to be back. Okay. Okay, Baltimore. A lot since the last time we uh, spoke, a lot, a lot has transpired. And as you just heard, that was a, a clip of Malcolm X um, describing, you know, the origin of some of the things that we're witnessing. Now, a lot of people, when, when you know, when these things first happened, the first thing we would say, because we've been so um, completely and profoundly brainwashed, is that, you know, maybe if we pull our pants up, 
you know, this won't happen. Or maybe, you know, maybe if um, maybe he um, didn't, uh, wasn't polite enough to the officer or didn't act in a yes or boss uh, way, a banner or whatever, maybe he wouldn't have been killed. But <laughs> my point is, why would you have to act any kind of way? Why would a police officer pull a gun on you at a, at a traffic stop? And I've had that done, by the way. I have, I have had that done to me. Okay, so I know that is real. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of our young people have been harassed because a lot of times, well, the riots, for instance, and I don't encourage any rioting, but a lot of us that sort of riots and sort of the, uh, the young people jumped on top of the police cars, trying to destroy the police cars. I mean, if that didn't, if that didn't you know, um, it didn't occur to us that a lot of them may have a reason, you know, that maybe it wasn't a good thing to do or a smart thing to do, but they may have a reason for doing that. They, maybe it's because they, they're constantly harassed in a police state. And then they're just taking out their frustrations at being constantly harassed. Like I was when I was, you know, in my 20s, I used to drive a nice car. You know, I, I had a nice job, drive a nice car. I would constantly get pulled over by the police. I've had guns pointed at me several times by the police. So I know the feeling. I know what it's like to live in a police state. That's why I had to move out of that community that I was in and just get out of there. And I didn't, I had no intention of letting my son grow up in that, in, in that same environment that I grew up in. So I made sure that I get my son and my daughter out of there. Um, so let's, we, um, now we had one incident with Flan, uh, Flando Castle, uh, where he was murdered by a police officer and let's just see, let the people see, you know, what transpired just from his girlfriend's uh, point of view. And I'm not going to play the graphic. I got a graphic, but I'm not going to play it. It's too graphic. And I'm gonna give the man a little bit of dignity. Um, so I'm gonna play what his girlfriend said after she was released from police custody. Four bullets into him, sir. He was just getting his license and registration, sir. Get the female passenger out. Officer pulls us over to talk about a broken headlight that was not broken. And one of the first things they teach you. Uh, in a permit to carry class, I've been through that. Yes. Is when an yes. officer pulls you over, mm. let him know no that you have a permit to carry mm -hmm. and that you have a weapon. And who let you know that they have a weapon? And, and the instructor told us that several times. Several times they told us that. And he didn't give us the opportunity before he let off rounds. He asked us for license and registration. As he was reaching for his license and registration, he asked, he told him he had a bare arm and he began to shoot. He killed him for no reason. That's what it is. In all that how were you able to figure out you should put this on Facebook? Because I wanted everyone in the world to know that no matter how much the police tamper with evidence, how much they stick together, no matter how they manipulate, they manipulate our minds to believe what they want. I wanted to put it on Facebook and go viral so that the people could see. So that the people could see. I wanted the people to determine who was right and who was wrong. I want the people to be the testimonies here. All of us saw with our eyes. Only thing you guys didn't see is when he shot. And if I would have moved while that gun was out, this he would have shot me. This okay. Okay. So I to allow the video to go live 10 seconds before my phone died because I wanted everybody in the world to see what the police do and how they roll. And it's not right. It's not acceptable. I didn't do it for a pity. I didn't do it for fame. I did it so that the world knows that these police are not here to protect and serve us. They are here to assess.
assassinate us. They are here to kill us because we are black. We don't support each other enough so they feel like they, they can take us off the map. And it's not okay. A good man, a 35-year-old man, worked for St. Paul Public School, never been fingerprinted, never been handcuffed. He has been taken away from his community. This is detrimental to everybody that's here today, not only me, myself, and my daughter, but everyone in the world. I just ask that everyone continue to pray. I ask that we all get justice. Anybody who's ever lost a loved one or someone close, dear to them, I feel for you guys. Okay, okay, now... <laughs> As she said, she made a lot of good points. She wanted the people to see, you know, what goes on. Because a lot of times they'll say he lunged. Oh, he he reached. And I was in fear for my life. So I had to, you know, use my service weapon. Okay. Now, in that case, she actually spoke. She narrated the whole confrontation with the police officer. So there's no doubt that he had no right to. Because um, he didn't deny anything she said to him. There's no doubt that he had no reason to kill that man. And that man should still be alive today. Um, uh, let's take Charles. Good afternoon, Charles. How's it going? Yeah, I'm doing good. How are you? All right, Charles. All right. How's it going? All right. Um, well, I wanted to deal with what you were saying at first. Um, Go ahead. What, what leads to being killed by a cop? Well, let me just say that these stereotypes have been placed in our minds. Right. You don't hear the people saying this. You don't hear them saying that because they're sagging, they got killed. Or because they were thugging, they got killed. Right. I mean, this stuff comes from people like Coach. It doesn't come from us. <laughs> I don't want to talk about another radio show, but you make, you make a good I mean, point. No, you no, do make a good point. Truth. It's you not know, just him. Charles, Charles, yeah. it's not just yeah. him. There's a lot of people, a lot of black people. First thing they do when somebody's shot by the police is, first of all, they believe everything the police said. Secondly, that's why I, this is the purpose of the cameras. Secondly, um, we, we want to blame it on the person that was was shot. We'll say, well, we stop sagging our pants or we're stop, you know. No, we, no, 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 you know, no. All this kind of nonsense that has nothing to do with mind. anything. We don't even entertain those type of thoughts. What we're looking at is murderers. These murderous police are looking for opportunity and they take it. And they have resources that innocent people don't Absolutely. have. Absolutely. Absolutely. So they and they stick off. together. So, you know, that is the real talk. Nobody is saying that they get, my friend got killed because he was sagging. My, kill, my friend got killed because of his lifestyle. No, they're saying that my friend got killed because the police are out here being brutal, brutal. They're brutalizing everybody. They're beating people up. They're robbing people, stealing people's money. Charles, the ones that, the, the ones that, Charles, the Charles, yes. the people that realize what you're saying say that. But there are people, and no, then no, some no, of them are no, black. Let me finish. It's not everybody. They're you, you, you got to listen. Listen to me. Listen, Charles, 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 Charles. Yeah, yes. Yes. Let me let me speak. There are some people that actually believe what the police are saying and that blacks and whites. OK, but what you're saying, a lot the people that understand what's going on, they know that what you're saying is true. That's what I'm saying. Well, but not, what, what it's what not universally accepted. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that these are our people that are talking to us, that are giving us the talking points. They're putting these words in our mouths when these are not our words. Right. Our words I agree. are dealing with the actions that these police are murdering people. They're taking liberties that we don't have ourselves. Where is the, the elected officials to come in and handle that situation. The they man? won't. They've Where's been co-opted. The, 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 elected the elected officials, Charles, are just puppets. The no, Baltimore's, they, no, Baltimore... Not. They were elected to do they, a job, and when you say that, that's disingenuous to anybody that voted or anybody that lived It's not disingenuous. It's, it's the truth. 
The, it's the truth. They're puppets. The 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 uh, the okay, city of Baltimore okay, so is so run then, by. So then, when you get to, when you get some customer service, that person that's serving you, they a puppet too. So they should treat you any kind of way. Because no, 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 they don't get to treat you any kind of way. We let them do that. No, we don't let them do that. No, that's not true. We allow them People to do that. Go along to get along because that is how we 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 force the situation. This this is a what do you call it? Peer pressure. The peer pressure says that you got to do what's politically correct, which means that people care how other people think, which means that what's right doesn't matter. It just what appears to what be right. Want to get right. me reelected. They want to appear to be right. So all of this stuff that we're talking about politically correct is being put in our minds to appear to be right. But the correct thing is these officers are killing us. They got rights that we don't have. They, they got the, the, the uh, police backing them up. They got lawyers that are backing up. I mean, they got Charles, all Charles. things that are not afforded to any Charles, the, the, our, what you were saying before, our politicians have been co-opted. They're not really there. They're there. A lot of our politicians are actually in place to keep you're things, to keep them, the status quo. Them, they're not there to solve out. the problem. You're giving them an excuse. You're giving them I'm not giving out. an excuse. I'm don't, telling you the truth. Don't, don't Charles, Charles, I'm not giving them an excuse. I'm telling you what the truth is. No, I'm telling you the truth. The truth. I'm not saying it's right. Is, no, the truth is they were elected to do a job, and if you don't say do that job, I'm yeah, saying, do that job, Charles. No, no, you're not. Yes, I am. You're giving them. Okay, let's, let's, let's go. Let's go on. Thank, Thank you, Charles. You so much for your Thank comments. you, Charles. I'm not going to convince him of of anything, but I I see what's going on, and uh, you know, I don't agree with any of it, and I know our politicians have been co-opted, and I'm not saying I agree with the fact that they've been co-opted, the fact that they're puppets for the white power structure in the city, but it's the truth. It's the, the Baltimore Development Committee and those places like that. That's who run our politicians. Okay, okay, now. I see we got we got some more calls, but just hold on, calls. Let well, for people that say we're killing each other, stuff like that. When something like this happens, let's see let let um see why Nixon started the war on drugs because this is a catalyst for these murders and this crime. The war on drugs, and if you remember, it was Nixon. The Nixon administration started what they called the war on drugs back in 1971. Turns out it was not because they were concerned that drugs were really dangerous for Americans. It was for attacking their political enemies. Now, again, you might think, like, come on, this sounds conspiratorial. First of all, it's the guy who did the conspiracy who's admitting it. Second of all, he got arrested for and convicted on another conspiracy. It's not like he's shy about conspiracies. And Nixon, third of all, had an enemies list. These are all facts. So now here's Ehrlichman in his own words. He says, the Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. How do you see that and then not want to immediately end this nonsense political war on drugs? This prohibition that has proven to be disastrous in its effect but it turns out it was done to be a war on black people and liberals, which who they called hippies back then. Now, originally they were trying to use more of the legislation of heroin against blacks, but it turns out later they were like, oh, blacks smoke marijuana just like whites do. Okay, let's arrest them for that. And they arrested them at four times the rate of whites, even though they smoke at the same rate. The whole point was to make sure that they could arrest their political enemies. How could you know that and still be in favor of the war on drugs? Well, uh, Ehrlichman goes on. He says, we could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, 
break up their meetings and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Now, I'm going to show you how they're still doing that in a second. But when asked about whether he and Dick Nixon intended to do that, they said, quote, Did we know we were lying about drugs? Of course we did. Okay. All right. So, so now I've said this before to people in public. And they thought I lost my damn mind. Okay. This is real. That wasn't Tyrone talking. That was, and that's why I bring these clips out. That was um, um, a quote from um, uh, Ehrlichman, who was a, an aide for Nixon, went to jail for Nixon. Okay, for conspiracy. Okay, he actually said that the war on drugs was meant to uh, criminalize, you know, black people and and, and uh, pretty much destroy the black community, which is is done. Anybody that's been paying attention. And so when we say stuff, ignorant stuff like we're all killing each other and we need to stop killing each other and then it's okay for the police to kill us if we're doing that. If there's a callus for this people, and it's not, and a lot of these murders are connected to the uh, the drug war. A lot of, if you look deeper, the reason they have the guns in the first place is to sell dope, okay? And if you have a gun, you're not educated, bad things are going to happen, okay? Um, let's go to Robert. Good, good, a- good afternoon, Robert. How's it going? Yeah, how you doing? All right, Robert. What's going on? Yeah, I just want to point out something, man. You are absolutely right about our politicians being co-opted. Of course. Because this is really great. You really haven't heard any of them come out uh, for the community um, in terms of uh, the brutality and the police uh, behavior here in Baltimore. Right. Now, the thing about it, Robert, the Freddie Gray killing is the tip of the iceberg. We had a, yeah. a we had a we had remember the Sun paper where they ran that article where they had two hundred black people or two hundred some people most of them black 99 percent of them were black that were brutalized by the police they had busted eyes broken arms all kinds of stuff yeah. and in many yeah. cases the police charged them with assaulting them and then we know that yeah. didn't happen that's just something they do to, to cover themselves so if you're assaulted by the police you're going to be charged with assault yeah, yeah and one more thing I want to uh, point out on the national level. You have we have not heard one commander or captain from any of the police departments apologizing to the families that were murdered by the police. Wow! Not wow. one time. Wow, that's profound. They condolences to hmm. this family. Well, they got that blue that blue wall. That would be admitting guilt, huh? That would be admitting guilt. Yeah, that'd be admitting well, guilt. And call well, uh, well, 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 what I'm saying is the sentiment is comparing the sentiment that they want us to exalt towards them right now. Right, right. To, to, towards the police. Okay, and Robert, go ahead. Robert, go ahead and wrap it up. We'll go to the next caller. Good, thank you. Yeah, okay. thank you, sir. Thanks thank for calling you. that. Um, let's go to da- da- what's it, Dale? Uh, Dale. Dale. Good afternoon, Dale. How's it going? Yeah, how y'all doing? All right, sir. How's it going? Yes, I was listening to um, what y'all was talking about, the the Nixon administration and the war on drugs. Yes. A lot of people don't believe uh, that. They say, if you tell somebody that stuff, they'll say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. You must be be insane. You don't know what you're talking about. Because we won't take the time to do research. I'm 54 years old, and Uh I lived through that. Right. I'm still still living down. (laughs) But uh, during that time, during the Nixon administration, you know, and, you know, and Reagan, Reagan said it off, though. This is a result of the war on drugs, what we're seeing now. Right, this the criminalization the of the black uh, community and urban environment. All right, you know, what you're seeing right now is 
is intended. Of course. Now, I like to mention Nixon's one thing. Nixon's said it. <laughs> Not me. Nixon's aide said that. Yeah, but I like to mention one thing. When, when everybody wakes up in the morning and you see over 70 to probably 80,000 people purchasing drugs in the morning, in the afternoon, and evening, and when everybody mentioned that, you know, I mean, when everybody's saying that, when you purchase drugs, you are committing a crime. How many crimes are committed in one day just through purchasing drugs? There's a lot of crime committed just, um, well, not crimes, but a lot of people have prescriptions for Percocet, which is just hope, uh, um, uh, heroin in, in a pill form. Percocet mm-hmm. and things, oxycodone and things like that. Rush, Rush, Rush Limbo is addicted to that. But yes. uh, I'm a, I got a whole lot drug rehab that's coming out of the drug rehab purchasing drugs and right. selling their methanol. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a big business. All right, Eric, um, go ahead and close and then we're going to move on. We've got a lot of calls right. here. In closing, I mean, I mean, I mean, my heart goes out to the Freddie Gray family. He was killed for drugs. <laughs> he was killed for drugs. Look for drugs. After the Freddie Gray, you know, uh, murder wasn't about Freddie Gray. No, well, no, no. It was uh, well, a lot of times it's for opportunists, but there was some anger there. Um, there was yeah, some anger there. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it was some anger. All right. But, uh, you know, the bottom line, I'm just talking about the bottom line. Right. Okay. All right, Eric, thank you for calling, sir. Let's go to, uh, before we get to the calls, let's go to Dr. Boyce Watkins, who's a black uh, professor, and he's going to talk further about the war on drugs, which he considers to be um, the black holocaust. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. Now I want you to think about what was just said here. And I want you to think about your life right now. I want you to think about your family. Did you have anybody in your family that was ever hooked on drugs? Uh, Did you have anybody in your family who ever went to prison? Did you ever have anybody in your family who was uh, maybe killed in drug-related violence? Did you ever have anybody in your family that was traumatized because they grew up in a household where uh, there was significant destabilization due to incarceration, drugs, or both? Any friends you have who ain't right in the head because that's what they went through. All of this was a result of social engineering that had devastation on a level that puts uh, the Nazi Holocaust to shame. The only difference between what was done to black people and what was done to the Jews in World War II is that what was done to us has been repeated many times throughout history. It lasted far longer and it had a far broader reach than what happened in Nazi Germany. This was our Holocaust. The war on drugs was a Holocaust on top of a Holocaust because we had just finished with Jim Crow. Black people in the 60s had just started to gain pride in themselves, had just started to be able to stand up for themselves, had just started to counter the significant miseducation that they'd been fed for hundreds of years. And you know what? They said, we can't have Negroes standing together. We can't have them believing in themselves. We can't have them fighting for any kind of equality. So we're going to disrupt them. We're going to drop drugs into their communities, and then we're going to arrest them for possessing the drugs. It's like when Malcolm X used to say, he said, the white man will sell you the liquor bottle and then lock you up for being drunk. Okay, so you can see 
how this this thing has really impacted us. Yeah, I mean, nobody's making you um, buy or sell drugs, okay? But this formula works everywhere. That's why we have the same problems in every urban community. The same formula works everywhere. Matter of fact, it works all over the world. In Mexico, we have a lot of impoverished people. You have a murder rate that's three times that of the United States because for the same reason, for illegal drugs. They have people beheading police chiefs in Mexico. They've gotten so powerful, these drug cartels. And you have, and, and in Colombia, the, the murder rate is five times the United States for the same reason, drugs. The formula, drugs and impoverished people, that formula works everywhere. So while we expect black people, where we have a lower murder rate, to act any different from other people, we're, we're human beings like everybody else. And when we're poor and everybody around us have a, are in a sea of wealth, we're going to try to figure out how to get out of that. And you have a lot of people that are born into this. I was just talking to a um, uh, social worker. Um, she was a counselor at a jail um, and, and in Lowe's. We just happened to be talking. She was talking about how some of those kids, they don't have any lights in their houses. You know, she was counselor youth, you know, juveniles. And some don't have any lights in their houses. And some don't have any food because their mothers are addicted to drugs or parents are addicted to drugs. And uh, they don't have any food to eat. So they go out, and, and, and I'm not condoning this, they go out and then they, they sell Drugs, you know, because they want to eat. They like to eat like you do. And so how do you tell that 14-year-old who's trying to sell drugs to feed his brothers and sisters that he needs to have exercise personal responsibility? He shouldn't have a, a drug-addicted parent. What's wrong with him? That's what I'm getting at. We got to analyze stuff before we start saying stuff and just give, letting people off the hook for what they've done to the black community. And that's, that's my main point when I'm on this show and I'm talking about these things. Um, let's go to Eric. Good afternoon, Eric. How's it going? Hey, good morning, Tom. Hey, what's going on? I'll offer the call before regarding the pal. pal. Yes, sir. And, right. and I also heard you repeat the out shopping. What I appreciate one time I gave uh, I gave a solution for dealing with you know police brutality, and I said that the federal government should put plants in the neighborhoods. Right, I remember on the on the forces. That was me. right. It's a good so, idea. Excellent well, idea. Well, well, I'm tell you the same thing. Similar to this police brutality, let me tell you something. They can solve it. And I hope this idea gets out there. Tyrone, when I was a police officer, when they first came out with the seatbelt laws, you know, they came on us and said, look, y'all going to have to start wearing your seatbelts. We never wear seatbelts. People didn't want to do it. So what they did was they put together a, fleet, a thing called fleet safety where they had police personnel that, that, that were like, you know, riding around catching us without our seatbelts. Right. Well, guess what? <laughs> we all started wearing our seatbelts because you know what happened? What's that? Write you a ticket, and then your supervisor will call you in and say, you know, police safety got you. You didn't have your seatbelt on. Right. And, and that, would, that would go against you, right? So that's on a smaller scale. What I'm saying is is that this is simple. They can solve this, this situation. Well, I, I, got some, I got some suggestions, too, Eric. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, we need to have cameras on all the police. If that hasn't happened by now, I mean, something, something's clearly wrong. I mean, there's no excuse for it. There's, I mean, you can't even, if you can't trust them at their word, you know, and it's been proven that you can't, they need to be wearing cameras when they're enforcing the law. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I'm not even sorry. I, I mean that. They need to have cameras on, They and they need to start penalizing the officers that are standing around watching these dirty cops do what they do, as in the, in the instance of the guys getting beat up on Greenmount Avenue. They, they should have a reprimand or something, some type of system to reprimand these officers that are standing around watching the other police officers break the law because you have arrest powers to arrest another police officer. They're a citizen, but they're empowered to do some of the things they do as long as it's not illegal. That's right. Yes, Tyrone, sir. I'm telling you what they can do. When doing the hiring process, you, sh- you should have to, you know, they ask you the question, are you biased against any people? Are, do you have any problems with race, 
racism. You right. answer no, sign this form. For all the ones that's already police officers, go to them. Um, we're going to send you to this training. This training is, is about, you know, racial situations where you cannot be a racist and be a police. Once you have the training, you sign it. Once you sign that form, then what they need to do is send some officers undercover all over to do things and set up the same scenario. The white community send you to a call in the white community, right. send you to a call in the black community, same scenarios. If you respond and you do, you treat the people different, then you should be right there. It should, you should be fired. And, and, and they, if they do that, those officers will be so scared, they won't know who's who. That will shut it down. I know from working inside. That's the only way that they wow. can stop this. Hmm. That's the only Excellent. way to stop it. And I want to tell you this real quick because I know you got to have a call. Yeah, I got to play. But I'll let you speak because you know what you're talking about. Top and I hope they understand. I totally agree with you. One has nothing to do with the other. Because we have people in, a, in, a, in small pockets of our community that imbalance and drugs, and people are getting shot, rival gangs. We Those think every child's bad. Will, we, they will not stop killing at will black people if that stops. It has yep. nothing, to, has do nothing to do with it. I agree. Totally. It has nothing to do with it. And that man that they killed, he was a um, a Flando Castle. He was a cafeteria worker. 35 exactly. years old, never been charged with anything, and they killed him. So how exactly. did he have personal responsibility for murders or whatever's going on between the drug cartels? And they change, what they do is they try to they take the focus off what it really is, and this is what black people fall for. Yeah, we fall for it every time. Like We've been so sublimely brainwashed. We fall yeah. for it all the time. Yeah, but thanks for taking my call. Oh, thank you, sir. Thanks, thanks for calling. Now, as, as uh, Eric indicated, we've been so profoundly brainwashed that we go for anything they tell us. We start, we start. It's like a mantra: personal responsibility. Yeah, I'm the first one to say personal responsibility. I, hey, I'm most responsible guy you ever want to meet. You know, I, I, you know, I married my children's mother. I, I, you know, I raised them since birth. You know, to be um, productive citizens. Um, I've, I've, uh, I, I run a business. You know, I was officer of the military. So and so forth, and a whole lot of other things I cannot mention. So I get personal responsibility. That's a given. But um, you can't ex- use that to excuse police brutality. That's idiotic. We can't fall for that. We can't pretend like every kid is a is a drug dealer. Every all of our kids are bad, or all of our kids are murdering each other. Just stop saying that because when the police hear it, guess what they're thinking? If you're saying all the children are bad, all black children are bad, and you keep reciting that, and we need to stop killing us when you know you ain't killed no damn body, then the police. What do you think the police? That racist cop that's listening is going to think. Okay, so let's be careful when we say that stuff, and let's let's do a little bit of research to find out. What's really going on? Let's go to Cynthia. Okay. Good afternoon, Cynthia. How's it going? Yes, how you doing? All right, I just want to answer this question because I was told a while ago when Clinton was the um, president. Right. He pardoned the um, cartel son, the Mexican cartel son. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah, but the thing about it, Cynthia, is uh, Clinton did more than any of the presidents to, um, to, 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 um, Penalize people for drug possession, marijuana possession, and things like that. More than any president, we don't even get that. And um, right, he came up with, he, with the three strikes laws. Let me finish the crack cocaine laws that made crack, crack cocaine more um, more of a liability if you were selling drugs than which was re- really crack was being sold by blacks, and nobody right. could see it. You know, so right. and, and then he pardoned the cartel signs, but yet he put our black men in prison. Yep, took the took the college out of prisons and everything. And yeah. then they can put his wife back in. Yeah, we so idiotic, we don't even get all that. Huh? We so stupid that we'll vote for his hey, wife. It's sad. It's sad. <laughs> I just need sad. to know that because 
I, I always heard that, but I wasn't sure. No, yeah, you're right. You're right. But we, we're so okay. stupid. We'll vote for his wife, yeah, who, who was, a, um, by the way, who was a Goldwater girl. We're and, going right back to right. where the hell we came from. Right. Back, well, right back into the same shit we would deliver from. Right. We, we, got, we got a choice between, right now, we got a choice between a rock sandwich and a marble sandwich as far as the exactly. presidential election. <laughs> Which one you want? All right. Okay. Thank you, thank Susie, you so for much. calling in. Um, let's go to Mark. Good afternoon, Mark. How's it going? Hey, what's up? How y'all doing? All right, Mark. All right. What's going on? Um, great show. Um, you know, um, uh, Tyrone, you know, uh, some, a lot of us don't fall for stuff, man. A lot of us proactive. But too many of us uh, do. And that's why we're in a situation we are. Well, some of us do. But yeah. I was saying, you got shows, too many of us. You got a lot of black shows like yours. Right. Uh, you know, that, that come out and, and, and give facts and stuff like that. I like that. But anyway, um, I keep myself informed. I don't, I, don't, I don't worry about nobody. I watch and I listen to I listen to a right-wing show that I used to monitor before I retired from VA on Saturdays. Right. So I made sure I listened to it this weekend. And, 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 and the things that they say, uh, a lot of us wouldn't call, it, call our shows and beat ourselves, you know, beat each other down. And hating on each other, you know, and, and and stuff like that. If we heard some of the things oh, I heard it. Said. I've actually challenged some of them, you know, because they, they're so oh, ridiculous. Did, I, yeah, yeah, I I've actually called and challenged uh, quite a few of them. Let's, well, let me say, yeah. um, uh, what you what you was talking about, um, far as the um, we got to hold all of, all 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 of these uh, uh racist, bad police, black and white. I was down there Wednesday, Tyrone with um with uh, Tyrone West's sister and, 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 and Boom and Miss Flowers and all of us. Now, everybody that called Mad Wednesday at the police. Right. Now, what we were down there for, um, they asked us to join them down there, and Kim Truhart, who got 40,000 votes, including mine, for ca- uh, city council president. Right. City council president. Right. Uh, a lot of votes. She said, what we want on the new police contract, the first thing, Call Stephanie Rollins Blake and tell her 410-396-4900 is two citizens on 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 the board with full voting powers. Right. We need to ask so we for concrete. We were down there. It was only we about need... twenty of us, and guess what? It was more white people than black down there, Tyrone. I know, but we need. I know we don't care, but we, we need to. Vi- <laughs> a lot of us don't. Too many of us don't. But we what we need we need concrete things, just like you said. We definitely uh-huh. need care. Listen to me. We definitely need. They gotta get caught first before the board does anything. With them. They gotta get caught uh-huh. first. So we need cameras. Listen to me. We need cameras okay. on the police. Cameras today on all of them. Absolutely. Okay. And then we Absolutely. need. We also need to reprimand the police that are standing around looking. Absolutely. They need to be reprimanded if they don't Absolutely. do anything about it. They see something illegal done by another police officer. Or Check we'll continue. Instead of vouching for it. To hold our, our our bad people accountable, hold your bad people accountable. You Thank get you. paid. You get paid a salary to protect and serve. Mm, hold yep. your bad people accountable. And I call when they took a knee in my community last uh, last year and was and called itself being mad and, and the lazy police. You know, laid back and parked four blocks down the street. Been in my community forty five years. I know Tyrone. Right, right. You know, at one time I wasn't like you said. I got a pass. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I got a pass, brother, so I know. You know, I know, I know so I called. I, you know, I said, y'all ain't doing that this time. I said, I want to see the police out there. You get paid. When it become taboo to walk the beat? Right. You know, that's okay. part of the job description, ain't it, Tyrone? Yes, sir. All right, that's Mark. That's what Murdoch did with us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mark, go ahead and close. All right, brother. Y'all take care. All right, sir. All right, sir. Let's talk about, um, let's talk about um, some solutions by Dr. Boyce Watkins. 
the gospel of black economic empowerment. A lot of our problems as black people will, will be solved when we learn how to make our own money. That's why I tell you right now, if you don't hear anything else I tell you, please hear this. Your black child needs to learn how to start a business before they learn how to do anything else. Before they learn how to dance, before they learn how to rap, before they learn how to dribble basketball, before they learn how to throw a football. You put them in a situation where for two or three weeks they're, they're being drilled and trained on the fundamentals of starting a business and learning how to make their own money. This will save their life. This will save your child's life. I guarantee it saved my life. When I learned how to be an entrepreneur, that's when I got a chance to be a man. If I was still sitting back trying to coon and get along with these 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 crazy people at Syracuse University, I would be so miserable. I would be so unhappy. And that's what racism does. Racism drives you crazy. And then when you act out and you go crazy, you punch somebody in the face or you in a mental institution or you break the law or you, you know, you're getting high every day because you can't cope, then guess what? They're going to lock you up. They put you in handcuffs and they exterminate you. So I would have been exterminated eventually. I was already being exterminated professionally. They, they didn't, you know, the things I was doing really wasn't a fit for that environment. So um, rather than complaining about it, I was able to be a man and build something of my own. And when I built something of my own, I was able to um, claim my place on the throne. Your son deserves to be on the throne. Your daughter deserves to be a queen. She does not deserve to be uh, somebody's servant. And that's what happens when our children are being sent into other people's economic systems. You're sending them over as servants. The white man is not—he's not, not going to bring your son into his castle and make him the king. <clears throat> Excuse me. He will make him a servant, or he will make him a court jester. That's it. You're there for my entertainment, boy. Make me laugh. Play, throw, play a sport for me, boy. That's what you all do very well. Sing for me, boy. Rap for me, boy. That's what you do with a jester, right? So ultimately, um, and, I, and I'm going to go because I got I to gotta get this. I got to get this. Where I'm coming from. It is absolutely essential that we shift the culture in our households. Uh, rise above the coonery. Turn off the TV. Let go of the nonsense and build your family into something strong. You can do it. You can do it. That's right. That's right. You can do it. And um, yeah, me being an entrepreneur saved my life, too. I'd have to agree with that 100%. Um, let's go to uh, Lady Maggie. Good afternoon, Lady Maggie. How's it going? Peace and blessings to you, and good afternoon to uh, all of you. Uh, I was listening, so I'm going to pick up on one of the things you were talking about, and that was the Nixon administration, and you played the tape. Um, I think one of the major things we miss of the harm done to the Negro people from the Nixon administration was benign neglect. That's your economics right there. Because uh, we were a thriving people uh, before the Civil Rights Act. We were patrolling our own communities. We were owning our own businesses. You could not come in our community if you didn't look like us without stopping and stating your business here. Now, you, you need to research that benign neglect because that's the encroachment that caused the loss of our ownerships of business in our community, which coupled with that war on drugs, going into what is owned by the Negro and saying there's drugs there, going in and arresting people, catching the owners in certain situations and defaming them. When you say war, don't you need soldiers for war? Well, Dr. Boyce Watkins says that if Ehrlich men and any of those people involved were still alive, they need to be tried for war crimes. Well, and they need to be put on uh, in front of a, a tribunal, an international tribunal, 
for the stuff that has been done to black people as a result because hundreds of thousands of black people, if not millions, millions rather, have been affected by that war on drugs. Okay, yeah. and it was deliberate. It wasn't an accident. It, did, it wasn't something that just happened. Right. This was well, deliberate and planned. This. Listen to this. If you have a war, this is why you replace your civilian policemen with military vets. This what happened recently with what they call the U.S. sniper on the roof? This was a military strategy to defame the Negro into a position against policemen. There were no policemen. There were military men in police uniforms. When you talk about deception, pay attention to that. Frederick Douglass tried to warn us by saying, what form will this snake or serpent take next? It's always a deception. What you think you're seeing underneath is not what is there. Thank For you. Instance, Thank you, Amen. You're right. You're right. Uh, Wait, we, should, this, we, should, uh, we should question... We should, we should always question yes. everything, and, yes. and I thank you for your comment. Thank you so much, Lady. Yeah, Mary. we should we should always we should just set, accept things at face value. That's the danger. The danger of it is these police can continue to um, um, execute, you know, unarmed black men at will, and we'll take their word for it. That the one guy they killed, they said he had a gun, and uh, we accept the fact that he had a gun. Now, if somebody you want to murder somebody, what's the you know how far would it take you to lie about it? You know, right. you just somebody. Right. So you just going to set that man's word that the guy had a gun just because he said it? And we already know the police have a history, even in Baltimore City, of planting drugs on people, a documented history of doing, you know, all kinds of things and, and uh, lying about it. And it's also, documented. I was going to make the point that um, the uh, uh, police audio scanner um, uh, footage recently came out when um, the uh, officer who pulled over uh, Mr. Castilla um, when he called it in. And um, I'm reading this from the root.com, but currently it's on, you know, lots of different news outlets. And um, he said, I'm going to stop a car. I'm going to check IDs. I have a reason to pull it over. The two occupants look like people that were involved in the robbery. The driver looks like one of our suspects because of the wide set nose. Okay. All right. I mean, that's so a that general was, description of a black man. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> in other words, it's a black guy. So I'm going to pull him over because he look like, you know, I need to shoot him or something. Yeah. And then okay. look at and the, it, uh, and think about it. How threatening can you be if you got a, a four year old child in the car and you, you, you're with a female? I mean, come on. You know, you know, I mean, are we that? I mean, are we that that much criminal uh, of a criminal element that you're going to if, if you are in that lifestyle, you're going to take your four year old daughter with you to, to rob somebody, you know, and, and, and your your wife or your girlfriend. I mean, that's just totally ridiculous, and that feeds into that, what we're thinking about, uh, what Malcolm was saying at the beginning of the show, about if you can convince the uh, white public, if the press can convince the white public that we're a criminal element, then um, and just about anything goes. So let's go Let's go with, um, uh, um, do we commit more crimes with white people? Do do um, blacks commit more crime? That if you start to arrest their children uh, and give them records and put barriers in front of their futures and their careers, I think people say, wait a second, as you said in the previous segment, this is soft drug use. Why are you arresting and giving this kid a record, especially minority kids disproportionately? They're the ones who get only But, you know, it, the statistics do show that African-Americans, what, almost four times as likely okay, to be arrested for possession than whites. Why is that? 
Well, I think it's because uh, too many cops are fulfilling their quotas by going into minority neighborhoods, but the, the crime rates in the black urban precincts are off the chart compared to suburbs and rural areas, okay? So the police, by necessity, to protect the poor people there, who are being murdered by the hundreds in Chicago, for example, have to flood the zone. And in flooding the zone, they pull people over and they ask them questions. And if they're obviously high or openly using marijuana, they get arrested. It's not a let's hunt down the black people today. Oh, they have to flood the zone. It's not like we have the war on drugs to hunt black people down. No, Bill. That's exactly why we have it. And here you are, however many decades later, still doing that same propaganda that Ehrlichman wanted to do, Nixon wanted to do, and a young staffer named Roger Ailes wanted to do, who's now your boss. And there you are on TV telling everybody, no, the blacks are more criminal than the whites in the suburban areas, even though they actually do the crime of smoking pot at the same exact rate. But they get arrested at four times the rate. Why? Because that's the whole point of the war on drugs. We have to end it immediately. Okay. Now, and then when we do end it, if we do end it, because we've all been brainwashed to believe that it's helpful, and uh, the thing about it is we're helping you. Okay, we're, and the thing about what he was saying about, you know, they have a higher crime rate. Okay, well, you flood the community with drugs, you put high penalties on it, you criminalize the people, and you get crime. And then it's an, impo- an impoverished community. So you're flooding the zone to, to, to um, solve a problem that you created. Okay, so which works everywhere in the world. It works everywhere. In the world. And, and every urban community has the same problem. And, I, and I've lived in affluent black communities. And there's nobody killing each other, you know, because they don't have any reason. They, the family um, structures are intact, which is another thing that was destroyed by the war on drugs. Back in the 60s, anybody that's over, um, that's over the age of 45 knows that there were most black households had a father in it in the 60s. Now, we forget that. And then, as a matter of fact, marriage rates for, um, uh, for black women that had babies was similar, if not higher. If you look this stuff up. Then um, the marriage rates for whites with babies, okay, before the six, before the sixties, and uh, so there's a lot of things that happened, you know, the the welfare thing and all this stuff that actually destroyed the black family, and then the war on drugs uh, contributed to that significantly, okay, because that's destroyed a lot of families. You had a lot of fathers arrested for drug possession and and for other uh, drug related crimes, drug selling. Even though whites again sell more drugs than blacks, they sell it differently. They sell it indoors, not outdoors. Look it up. Google it. Look it up. Whites sell more drugs than blacks. But we are the ones that are targeted for it. And there's a reason, as they stated, it was because that was the reason the war on drugs was created in the first place, to target blacks. Zach? Um, and that goes to, you know, what you were saying before about um, personal responsibility. And, you know, it's always placed on us to um, to you know, be demonized. Way. And yeah, yeah exactly. And, and they're not taking, you know, personal responsibility for um, the conditions that create the conditions that, you know, lead to, to what's going on that leads to them saying personal responsibility. <laughs> so it's, it's a it, chase your tail thing. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, where's the personal responsibility for redlining? Where's the personal responsibility for war on drugs? You know, where's the uh, personal responsibility for um, all these things. How are the drugs getting into the community? The right. drugs we don't, and the guns. There's no, gro- there's no drugs uh, growing in Sandtown, Winchester. All right. right. There's no, mar- no marijuana growing there. There's no um, poppy fields in, in Sandtown, Winchester. But there's plain being sold there. 
Okay, and we don't make guns. There's plenty of guns being sold there. Okay, it's not one black gun manufacturer in the United States. But um, so where, where are these guns coming from? Right. You know what I'm saying? So so yeah, we need to we need to wake up. We need to stop doing these things. And I'm not condoning drug use. I'm not condoning um, uh, uh, drug selling. I'm certainly not doing that. But there's contributing factors that we don't always recognize. And it, and a lot of people, times when you try to advise people about this stuff, they think you're either making it up or you're an idiot. You know, but it's it's true. This thing's real. It's not a figment of our imagination. It's been documented, people. It's been documented. This thing is it is it was set up to uh, lead to our um um in the military. They have a term that's called fixing. If you ever been a military commander, whatever, they have a term called fixing. What they what fixing means is you use artillery or whatever to channel your enemy into a certain area for their destruction. We've allowed the we've allowed our adversaries to use the war on drugs to fix us for our eventual destruction. And we got to understand that. And we got to somehow shake this thing off. What do we do if we legalize drugs? We go to treatment. It is a sickness, people. It doesn't need to be punished by, by jail. And you're not going to solve the problem that way anyway because drugs are illegal, but I can get drugs any time of day, any night of the week, any any hour of the day, right. and it's illegal. So just having it illegal does not stop you from getting it. It just gives you a reason to, to break down people's doors, arrest their leaders, and just disrupt their communities. That's what it does. And then we got to understand that. we got to think deeper than surface stuff. Otherwise, we'll never get out of this quagmire. Let's go to uh, this, the first caller, then we'll go to um, okay. James next. We have Sekou. Sekou. All right. Good afternoon, Sekou. How you doing, Sekou? All right. Good afternoon. All right, good sir. Afternoon. How's it going? Well, when are we going to have that conversation about the fact that uh, we are socially engineered? Yeah, actually, hey, Sekou, that's, that's, a, that's the correct term. That's the term I was thinking about. It's a social, that war on drugs itself is a social in, engineering concept. But go ahead. Yeah, Finish your comment. I'm sorry. I didn't mean, but. Those who create the slums maintain them because they are profitable. And all the problems that exist therein are profitable to the slum makers. Racist right. and power capitalists. I agree. Who don't care about people. So Freddie Gray and all them brothers and sisters who got manipulated into that criminal behavior, right. drug addiction, mm-hmm. so they try to cope with that hopelessness, helplessness, and powerlessness. Man, they were socially engineered. That's the bottom line. Yep, I agree. I agree 100%. We have to take control over the socialization and education of our children. We have to decide what they should be and not let them, the, the, the dominant racial group, the, the dominant uh, cultural group, socialize and educate them to be what they want them to be. They want them to be thugs. They want them to be out of control so they can fill up those private prisons. So how do we, Saku, how we, how we convince our young people that they're being set up? How we convince our, how do we convince our, let me finish, how do we convince our adults that this is a part of a, of a, of a master plan that was started by people high up in, in, in an office, public office, actually started by them. How we, okay. adults don't believe it. Our kids don't believe it. So how we convince them? Go ahead. We have to go into the schools. We have to nip it in the bud, start with the younger students first, elementary school. You can't go in people's houses. Mm. That's an institution, and it's very relevant. But people are not going to let you in their houses and their business somehow to raise their children. Right. Once they start school, kindergarten to the 12th grade, we got access to them. And then we need an after-school program for their parents, for adults, to make them understand, look, genocide is one thing. Menticide is something else. Menticide is when you mentally program a people to destroy themselves. Absolutely, and if you free if you free your mind, your butt will follow. I don't want to say the, the ass word, but that's exactly what I mean. 
But uh, the only way you can do that is like we have to understand what Malcolm said because most of what he said is very relevant and useful today. He said, "You can't hate the tree and not hate. You can't hate the roots of a tree and not hate the tree because the tree spring from the roots. You can't hate the roots of your origins and not hate yourself." Uh, thank yeah, you. Taught to hate Africa, and that's how they taught us to hate ourselves. And that's why we, we we do not get along. We hate each other. We treat each other. We disrespect each other. Absolutely. We have to love ourselves by learning the roots of our origins, where we came from, Africa, and our history did not start in chattel slavery. It started at that point in time when we were the only people in the world, and we were always a very moral, just, and righteous people. Y'all have a nice day. All right, thank, thank you. you, sir. Okay, um, let's go to James. Good afternoon, James. How's it going? Uh, all right. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just want to mention the, the criminal system. If we can manage to stay out of uh, from being incarcerated for just like three months, right? not even long, it would actually you know bring the whole system down onto its knees. Actually, I mean, it's easier said sir, than done. Sir, I haven't. This gentleman I'm sitting with is millennial, 25 year old. He hasn't been in the criminal system. I haven't either. I've been arrested for stuff, but I had to be let go because it, I, I didn't do anything. Okay? But you being arrested. criminal justice is not fair. It's not fair for black people. That's what you understand that. I've had guns drawn on me. Okay? I've never mm-hmm. committed any crimes. I've had guns drawn on me. I had guns put in my chest, put in my back. I've been cuffed. Okay? So this is not a figment of my, my, my imagination, but you go ahead. Tell me what we need to do again. Well, like you being arrested, and basically it was an inconvenience. They put it was an inconvenience the until they, unless they would have shot me for moving the wrong way, like they did that young man, that Philan Castro. Understandable, definitely. But then you had to go to the precinct, and they had to do paperwork or something right. like that. Absolutely. I mean, all of these are expenses that fall upon us. It end up falling on the taxpayers and stuff. It falls upon the taxpayers if I have to lose my job and go on unemployment because of somebody's uh, harassing me for something. And I haven't done it a damn thing. And it also puts an impression on me that I can't trust the police. So when somebody commits a murder in my neighborhood, I'm not willing to go to them because I can't trust them. They might tell the people that are, that, that are actually um, in those cartels and have me killed. And that's happened in Baltimore. Well, I don't think it's their job to actually solve crimes. They, they're supposed to meet a quota. And as long as I know that, that I, capacity, I agree. I agree yeah. with that 100 percent. And they, they execute that quota in the black community for the most part. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. It's a great show. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Okay. All right. So let's go with uh, Professor McWhorter on racism. And without a doubt, I think anyone in America who thinks that black people go on too much about racism needs to understand that, yes, there can be a certain melodrama in discussions of things like whether or not white people should attest to their privilege or what a microaggression is or what cultural appropriation is. But when it comes to the relationship between the black community and the cops, we're talking about a house that's mostly burned down, but the chimney is still standing. If we could get past this knot in the relationship between cops and particularly black men, although also black women, then we would be in a new America that really finally was getting past race. Ask a black person why they think racism is so prevalent. And it's not cultural appropriation or whether somebody used the N-word. It's really about the cops. This is tearing the nation apart. I've been studying, if you want to call it race now, for almost 20 years. And the main thing I found is that if there's anything in the way people talk about race and racism that seems counterintuitive or exaggerated, the root 
root of it is this grievous problem where too many black people are killed by cops for essentially no reason. And very quickly, if that's not true, many people seem to say that it's a distortion to say that this is a black problem, race has nothing to do with it. We need to see a list of white people within the past 10 years who've been killed under similar circumstances, not just killed by cops, that's easy, killed under these circumstances where really they were killed for no particular reason. And until we see that list, then I think we can say that being black is central to this problem, and until this goes away, we are not past race in this country. Okay. So as, as you see, that's uh, Dr. Um McWhorter, John McWhorter, he's a, a professor at um, Columbia, black professor at Columbia University. Okay, a young guy, and he understands, you know, he studies racism. And um, yes, racism is still real. Things aren't, aren't over because just because we have a black president, that's an individual achievement. It's not a universal achievement. And that's what we need to understand. And yes, number one, and I'm not saying that we got, we, yeah, we need to do things on our own, but still, we just had a, a war, and it's still going on. We need to end the war on drugs. We need treatment on demand, like a lot of countries have done when they ended their drug wars. Treatment on demand for any individual that needs drugs, because a lot of these murders, again, they come from people who are selling drugs or, or um, they haven't had a gun because they need to sell drugs. The, the drugs, the guns come with the drugs. Or people who are sticking up people to get their fix because they're, they're addicted. And there's no treatment on demand. They can't get treatment. So they got to do what they got to do to get that next fix because they got to have it every day. And... Um, we, once we, we need to deal with it as a, as a disease, which is what it is, is a sickness, and, and get people, you know, weaned off of these things. Okay, there's countries where, like Sweden, no, was it Sweden or Switzerland? Uh, Switzerland. Denmark. Yeah. Where, where they actually, they're actually, um, they use the heroin. They wean people off heroin. They're not using methadone. They want you to get off of the stuff. They want you to be on it forever. We got to develop new techniques to, um, to uh, rid us of addiction. And there are. There's, there's, there's brain implants and everything else that they're coming up with. And we need to re- we need a Marshall Plan to put people back to work, the drug dealers and all that stuff. And we need amnesty for all these drug um, these drug uh, convictions. Amnesty. You know, it should all be erased. We had, let's admit that what we did was wrong, okay? And it should be punished by war crimes. Let's, that's, 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 um, let's grant amnesty to all these people with these drug convictions. If you got drug convictions, you should give it amnesty. And, and there needs to be a Marshall Plan to rebuild these cities and uh, put these people back to work. And it's, it's happening all over the country, people, because the same formula applies. All right. And um, and we need to get our politicians in on this and get them to, you know, things like there's all kinds of things we've done in Baltimore City alone, like letting us get a, uh, the regular share of minority contracts we're supposed to be getting in a majority black city instead of just, you know, signing all these waivers. There's all kinds of things. We Let's get some jobs for our kids. So they'll have money and, and help support their households like I did when I was a kid. Okay. So this concludes. I hope you guys got a little bit of enlightenment in here. And uh, we try to support what we say with the facts because we don't want people to think we're making stuff up. And this is stuff is real, people. I'm not making this stuff up. It's real and it's serious. And it's leading to our utter destruction. And they send one and they send one in three blacks before he dies is going to be in jail as a result of this. We need to understand that and we need to do something about it before it's too late. Um. Okay, I thank you for all your comments, and I enjoy everybody. I enjoyed the com commentary by everybody called, and I thank you for your time. This concludes another informative edition of the Call Tyrone Show. God bless.